Hello and welcome into the 42nd episode of the Promo Guy podcast. We are brought to you by Better Odds, a new odd shopping platform that is coming very soon. As always, I'm joined by Nick from Blue Duck Media. Nick, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How we doing? Fun all-star break. Uh, quick, quick bet from uh, a lot of heavy gambling, and I feel like now we're we're turning the corner. We're about to hit the conference tournaments, March Madness, and some NBA playoffs just around the corner. So it's a fun time of year. It's a nice, quiet gambling time right after Super Bowl. Um, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I mean, you know, obviously I had some personal stuff go on, uh, which is why we weren't recording last week, but it was nice to see family. And uh, like you said, with it being a little bit quieter, it was sort of going to sound messed up, but like kind of a convenient time work-wise to be able to take a few days off or mostly off. But I'm happy to be back. I'm happy basketball is about to be back. And I'm happy most Importantly, that the podcast is back. It definitely was a uh, a boring week over here. Uh, not getting this hour in, not getting the pre production call. I, <laughs> I, I missed you. Well, I missed you guys as well. Uh, we did have a very strong week betting wise. I'll just jump right into the state yeah, of the stack. Kind of a, kind of amazingly so. Uh, I don't have the the notes piled up for the week because I've been behind on stuff. But we, I think we were up like three four hundred dollars this week. We had some really good beats. There was a college basketball one where South Carolina didn't score for the last like four minutes of the game, something like that. And then we had uh, the Rangers come back from down five to three with three minutes left, something like that, to, to cash a free bet. And we hit some other big free bets. So it, it was just, and we kept hitting the 50% boost, the clash on the court boost separately. So honestly, a really strong week betting wise. Discord did as well. I have our, Kind of units tracked up for the month. Bet Rivers is up eight, which is fantastic. Uh, I'm sure the ROI there is pretty high. ESPN was up is up four point six five units, which is fine. It's good. It's probably right where you'd expect. The Knicks have kind of kicked our butt this month a little bit to make that worse. I think we're owned four on the Knicks, but we had a big hit yesterday, which was nice. We had a, a big free bet hit the other day, so. Still solidly positive, and then MGM's up just under 12 units on the month. So everything is honestly going great. Very happy to see February can always be a little dicey just because the volume's lower and it's a shorter month. Then you know you have the all-star break. So it's nice that we're we're having a very good uh February overall. Yeah, I love to hear that on all ends. I mean, I guess lesson has been learned about betting against the Knicks. No, I bet on the Knicks. You Oh, yeah, they did. Go. I mean, betting on the Knicks <laughs> it, during that run also kind of crazy. Well, it's just a, it's a Stephen A. Smith promo. And Stephen A. Smith has completely destroyed everything the Knicks had going by implementing this promo where you get a free bet back if you lose, if they lose by three or less. So it's like an insurance thing where you get free bet back if they lose a And by the game. way, every single one of those, they've been in it at halftime. Like the Magic game, they were in it at halftime. They just... When when Jalen Brunson has to score thirty, and you kind of need Dante Divincenzo to score thirty two, it's been just getting enough point. Getting to one hundred ten points has been very rough without Hartenstein, OG, and and Randall. Yeah, well, regardless of your sorry excuses, we have overcome the Knicks this month on ESPN to still to still be solid in the green, but and hopefully uh, they can turn things around because this is a promo going the rest of the season, but. 
Anyway, that's the state of the stack. We can go to the gambling landscape update. Um, any updates on either better odds or you mentioned that you've been playing a bit more on ESPN Bet. I'm curious because I haven't really been tapped in. How are their promos and are they still approaching the market with a very promotion heavy approach? It sounds like they might be. Yeah, better odds. Uh, I would say that the big update is that they've got a bot now that's going into our Discord today, as well as uh, Mooney Gang, uh, who's getting involved in better odds. Kenny's been all excited about it. And the bot seems very cool. It's like a line shopping tool. Basically, you just put in the market you want to see, you know, Clay Thompson points, and it'll show you a full breakdown of every book where they have Clay Thompson points, the, the you know, better odds, weighted market average that we've talked about in the past, how to come up with. So then the EV off of that and the best book to play it, obviously, you know, it shows every book, but it highlights the best book. And I think that'll be a very cool tool for people in the Discord. I've got a lot of work ahead of me. Uh, paying out all these Super Bowl giveaways, as I've said on the past, we have, uh, I, I give like the referral money I get, like if you sign up using my picket link for say Bet365, I get some money for that. I put all that money into Discord giveaways and I kind of just put them all towards the Super Bowl because I thought it'd be kind of a fun thing for people to do, basically to have action on, you know, free action on the coin toss and how many yards will Mahomes throw for and uh what will the first song be for usher and all this stuff the gatorade color i i did everything under the sun we've got like thousands of dollars giveaways to give out but there's like 30 winners that i now have to sell and mostly because we got screwed by purple i guess pe- the the word had gotten out and then first touchdown score mccaffrey that, that that was like 14 people so i got to split up the giveaway among all those people uh and then you asked about espn ESPN's been great. I'm doing my EV rankings. They're going to come in a lot higher than they have been. I always sort of like to wait. I, I don't want to give people too much credit for like their first couple of weeks in existence. But ESPN's been strong. I mean, they've, they've only added... St- they're much better than Barstool was. But they came out kind of slow. And we said, this is not going to work if they're just going to be what Barstool was. Like they're not, I know it's the big name, but it's just not going to work. They, they do daily parlay protection insurances. They've added this 50 point. Well, I guess they already had the 50 point thing, but they added the, the Knicks promo. They have all these first goal scorers, first in, in hockey and in soccer. I mean, they've just done a tremendous amount on the promo side. They're going to be one of the highest in the EV rankings. And it's added some great competition. And honestly, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do this in EV rings, but DraftKings is has just really stepped up. I mean, most of our action is on DraftKings now. Like, shout out to them. I mean, you think about where they were a year and a half ago, and most people assume EV betting, assumed EV betting was going to decline. Certainly not at DraftKings. I, it is so much better than it was, to be honest with you. Uh, maybe ever, but certainly than, you know, where it was after it kind of dipped down a little bit. So shout out to ESPN. But also, I want to give a bit of a shout out to DraftKings for, you know, the quick rise and. I kind of saw this coming a few months ago, and I had them number one in EV rings, even when FanDuel was more profitable. But now it's just so super clear that DraftKings is number one, at least amongst them and FanDuel. Although FanDuel will have a chance to make some ground back with Dinger Tuesday, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, excited for baseball to come back, and Dinger Tuesday is usually a pretty, pretty big. Uh 
fun ones. So I guess let's just keep it moving. We've got some two big thoughts today. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit about FanDuel's LeBron boost. What is the boost you want to talk about? And um, how is FanDuel? What's going on with my boy LeBron? My boy LeBron. Uh, so FanDuel had a boost for the All-Star game. It was LeBron James to score 20 plus points boosted to plus 150. Now, most of you will know how, will, would be able to look at that yourself and know that that was good because he was actually favored for over 20 and a half points. So you're getting a point lower, 19 and a half, on a favored line, but instead of getting it boosted to like plus 100 or something, which would be good, you're getting it boosted to plus 150. So this was over 30% EV. And the quick math of that, without even having to think twice about it is if it were 50% chance likely to hit boosted a plus 150 would be 25% EV because you're getting paid an extra like if you put 100 on it you're getting paid an extra 50 half the time so 50 times 50 50 times 0.5 would be 25% so this was over 30% EV and I tweeted it I want to say around 5 p.m. Eastern I think the game was at 8 or the boost closed at 8 I know the game started late uh, and that's pretty typical of my timeline so the, the second part of this is you know when to tweet it out so there's and there's no perfect answer so if you know you're going to be around later and let's pretend you don't have a large Twitter following and Discord following that's waiting on you uh, you would just do it five minutes before the game or before the boost closed, right? Because all the information that could possibly come out has come out and you know it's still good because FanDuel is good about not pulling. It. Yeah. So that's sort of the technically optimal. But now as, you know, somebody with a following, you, I can't just tweet it out five minutes before the boost closes because a ton of people will end up missing it. And... So for me, it's sort of like the the balance between, okay, there's no need to tweet it out at noon. And really anyone tweeting out a FanDuel boost more than like eight hours before the game is either not going to be around later, is not doing it right, or, you know, whatever, has some weird reason where they're confident the lines won't move. So any anything done like, you know, way too early, there's no need for it. But for me, I'm like, okay, Something 30%, over 30% EV that is unlikely to change. I mean, it was very unlikely that LeBron was going to come out and say in those couple hours that he wasn't going to play the whole game, right? Like, it's obviously a less than 1% type deal, um, which unfortunately did happen. So I waited till about five, and then I said, okay, it gives plenty of people on a Saturday of President's Day weekend to see the boost, see the tweet, and go, and go put it in while also not a ton of time for anything to go wrong because it was only a few hours before. Maybe I could have done it at 6 p.m. instead of 5 p.m. And that obviously would have saved it in hindsight. But I try and juggle those those things, frankly. And do I regret it? I mean, look, how often does this kind of thing happen versus how often do, let's say, if I was like maximizing it for everyone, and I don't purely do it that way. I try and do what's best for the account. but how often does tweeting in out at five instead of seven, let's say, an hour before, how often does that make sure that an extra, I don't know, 10%, 20% of people see it? Yeah, that, that's definitely the case. And 
it's less than 1% that a boost, especially like that, would move to, to negative EV in that time. So that's a little bit of the calculus. But yeah, if, if I was just doing it for myself and I knew 100% certainty or 99% certainty that I would be around at 7.30, at 7.45. You would just wait till the last minute. Wait. But that, no that's, that's how I go about it. I generally do it a couple hours before. If I know that there's, if someone's questionable and that's going to affect the boost or if there's some sort of announcement, soccer with lineup, stuff like that, then of course I'll have to wait. So was this not super close? Like was the boost going live and then you sharing it not super close to when the announcement came out? Like obviously I think you're always trying to find the right time. Like, like you mentioned, strike the balance between getting it out early enough that most people can see to try and help your followers mm-hmm. and your community. But from a FanDuel perspective, was this not a little sketchy that they put the promo up and then right after it's, hey, LeBron is no longer going to be playing most of the game. And those right, of you who right. bet it, sorry, we can't give any money back. <laughs> uh, right. So I don't know the exact. Who was the one who announced? I think that it was, this I think news it was for Rachel LeBron? Nichols um, had asked him the question. Is it time to look up who sponsors Rachel Nichols' podcast? I'm with, sure you uh, already know cousins? that it's FanDuel. Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so I don't know what time they put it up. Like I said, I was away most of the day on Saturday. You know, tried to be off my phone and all of that. So I had seen it a few hours before I posted. Uh, but again, I'm not sure if it was up at 11 a.m. The, the day before. Like, I, I just don't remember. Uh, and, or, or if it was up only two hours or an hour before I posted. So do I think, I, look, if it were Donovan Mitchell boosted to whatever, then yeah, I, I would feel a little weird about it that he didn't play as much as he should over if he had an injury, something, you know, if this kind of thing happened with Donovan Mitchell. But it's LeBron James. It's the biggest athlete on the planet, arguably, you know, certainly in the U.S. And especially in the NBA, like it's not, you know, it's not even close. So do I think it's suspicious that they boosted LeBron? No, I don't. I don't think it's suspicious that they boosted LeBron. And once in a while, the, the star that they boost, and like I, I said at the beginning of the year, every boost this year is going to involve you know one of these players, and it's going to be one of the stars. And we we see it. We see a bunch of LeBron boosts and Anthony Davis and Wemby and Tatum and Jokic. I mean, these are and B. These are the guys that they boost. Stars of the league, it's the guys that are easy to root for, whatever. It's the TNT game, it's the ESPN game. You know, they're, they're just trying to get as much bang for their buck on the promotion. They're not just trying to give out EV on, like, you know, something, you know, precious Achua points plus rebounds plus assists, right? Like, <laughs> they're going to do stuff that everybody's looking at. And LeBron James is the easiest guy to boost. I thought they did a fantastic boost. Uh, very well, yeah, LeBron James, the biggest guy to boost, but we're talking about the all-star game where there's stars everywhere. Like you can boost Luka Doncic and have the same, could, near but, the same and, effect. But I would be more suspicious, not that I'm a very suspicious person, especially at FanDuel, because if they are doing this kind of thing, they're doing a really bad job of it with how successful their boosts have been. But I just think it goes both ways sometimes. I mean, we, we've seen announcements where LeBron, he easily could have said, you know, I'm going to play every minute. This means the world to me. Like, this is my last All-Star game. Boom. You know, <laughs> I, I want 30. And his line would have jumped up three points instead of going down three points or, you know, whatever it was. 
So, no, I, I don't. I don't think that FanDuel boosted it on purpose. Uh, I did actually reach out to them in the hopes of getting like the a plus two hundred price. I thought that was our best chance. I, you know, I didn't. I didn't think that it was void. And because could you imagine if they voided it and then he got, and then he got twenty points, right? Which was still on the table uh, when the game started. So I mean, I, they would never have voided it ahead of time, but it, it wouldn't have been that crazy to me. Well, I'm, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna I, get them to to void it after it was, like have it be a you know adverse life situation for for Fanduel where they eat like a no win situation where they either lose or void. But I thought that given the flack they would get and whatever, that we would get like a like maybe we could get them to because their their unboosted line was plus two hundred and the boost was plus one fifty. I thought maybe they might switch it to like plus two hundred, like re put up the boost at better odds. Like just get, just give you some better value since all of a sudden it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought that was our best chance. Obviously, it didn't work or wouldn't have mattered because it lost anyway. But yeah, so I mean that 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 was sort of my thought on the Fanduel boost and how how I look at at doing them. Like I said, if it's like a soccer one or something where there's clearly an announcement imminent, I try and like signal that to people like, hey, it's good. If you're not going to be around later, probably just take it now. But I'm going to post an hour before. I, I probably wasn't going to, like I wasn't around later that day anyway. So whatever, it was kind of obvious to post at that time. But it was also one of those situations where you, you make the post and more than 99% of the time, it's going to be a very good boost at close unfortunately this was the the one in 200 or whatever it is that is not but you know uh luckily it's just one play in a small blip but that, that was that's sort of my thought process around the boost and why i don't post them early but also why i don't post them last minute yeah um i just like how trusting you are a fan to my mind goes right to conspiracy theory nick and you're like yeah no well, no that's not frankly they the boost don't underperform their EV. And there have been many people that have tracked that. Mentally, it kind of makes sense. I mean, you look at the ROI, it tends to be like 14%. That makes, that's kind of consistent with the, with the EV that I, I put out. Uh, this year, they're doing even better. So, you know, like, what am I, <laughs> I going to say that, that, that they knew? Like, they get accused of knowing all the time. Oh, what are the odds this happened? This happened? By the way, they hit three in a row just this past the end of last week, right? You had the the Tiger Woods boost, the 25 plus points boost, and I'm blanking on the other one. But the boosts have done very well recently. And like that Tiger Woods one was awesome. So in my EV rankings, I put them for boost back up at number one. I think I had taken them off just because of these super high EV 30% boosts that they've sort of brought back after a disappointing Super Bowl. So no, I, I don't I don't think that there's any conspiracy there. That they boosted the you know most well known, the most famous yeah. pl- NBA player in the mo- like All Star game. Correct. Um, let's keep it moving then. Let's bounce over to our second big thought of the day. Yeah. Recapping some of your favorite promos from this past NFL season. Um, I've got a few prompts we cooked up uh, just to see if you have cat- answers to any of these categories, um, and if not. We could just fly through these pretty quickly. What was the best one-off promo that you think you saw throughout all of football season? 
I will say the best one-off promo wasn't really one-off, but early in the year, I, I still think that the DraftKings, and we didn't do as well this past year as we had in the previous year, but you know we still, we still did well, was the DraftKings, the DraftKings up seven promo specifically. It only lasted three weeks, and it was the Thursday of each week, but that's such a good promo. It's a lot of fun, and it's really high EV. What is it if your team goes up seven? If your team goes up seven, I mean, so they do up seven and they do up ten. The up seven specifically is probably the best, but if we want to group them together, if you go, if the up seven promo is if you go up seven at any time, you win the bet, even if your team loses, obviously. What, they typically will enact this when teams are, like, what's the typical spread that they would enact? It's usually just the Thursday night game, and you get to pick the side, and the side's always the underdog because. Well, they're more likely to blow the lead than the favorite. They're obviously less likely to get it, but but they're also less likely to get to that. Yes, seven but that's more event. that's more random than the blowing it. If that makes sense. And and the, the you know this is all data driven. Like you just look and they blow leads more than favorites do, because I guess the easiest way to think about this is let's pretend and you like if you got to choose it, you'd have a big underdog in a super high over under game. So if you want to think about the most extreme case, let's say the underdog scores a touchdown 50% of the time and the favorite scores a touchdown 75% of their drive, right? And so the over-under would be sure. super high and there'd be a big differential in the, like the favorite would be heavily favored, right? Because that's a huge difference per drive. You pick the underdog and you get it, this massive underdog, this 10 to 1 underdog and you get them winning 50% of, or, you know, like uh, probably like 30 something percent of the time, just because they are, if they get the ball first, they're going to, they're going to win half the time right there. And there's still a chance that they get a, a half point lead. But if they, if they're winning seven, nothing in this scenario, they'd still be underdog. So that's sort of the, like, think, I always like to think about it in the extremes. So you'd want to mm -hmm. go for, for an underdog in a high over-under game. And, and the, the math you know, bears that out. I think I follow. Let's take a look back at NFL season slash college football season. Which book do you think – I guess this is kind of also your – will probably be the same answer as your EV rankings. But which book do you think was your number one go-to uh, throughout football season this year? Yeah, I mean I think it was DraftKings. Um... I thought the FanDuel was pretty underwhelming. I mean, DraftKings had like all the daily no sweats. They had a lot of the touchdown boosts. They had a lot of the like super, like a lot of super boosts around football. Uh, you know, this, these two guys to get 50 plus receiving yards. Like, I just felt like we were on DraftKings a ton during football season and FanDuel less so. Uh, and th those were kind of the two big contenders in my mind uh so I'll, I'll say DraftKings was the best book okay um what was the worst beat of football season it, it has to be you know i do kind of the only non-pure ev thing i do which is the my college football plays and one of them after week one i had colorado over four and a half wins at minus 140 maybe it was and my, my thought was they were, their, their line was three and a half to start the year. 
and we knew almost nothing about them. Eighty percent were transfers. So this isn't this isn't like uh, an NBA team or NFL team where you know, like the whatever team upsets a favorite, or even a college football team that we know more about, where there's an upset, but you're not going to overreact to it. They were ten to, ten to one to beat TCU, and they did it. So immediately you're adding at least 0.9 wins to their season, which brings them up to, to four and a half, but, but underdogs to the over. And all, all I'm doing is fl- flipping like a plus 110, a plus 120 into a minus 140 based off of all this new information that they are a better team than we thought. And then they were for a few weeks. Uh, you know, the, the spread just in the Nebraska game moved from like plus you know, nine preseason to like minus two at close, something like that. So it's, you know, that's why it was certainly a good bet and it, it got bet up after that. But so we, we have four wins heading into, I don't know, like game six or seven. Like we were still midway through the season and they're playing Stanford, who they're two touchdown favorites against. So obviously a great opportunity to close out this bet nice and early. And, but they were still going to be favored. They had a harder schedule in the back end, but they were still going to be favored in one or two games. And, you know, competitive, at least on paper, uh, and a few others. They were up 29 to nothing on Stanford. Two touchdown favorites at halftime are up 29 to nothing with half their schedule left. Losing that bet is one of the most, like, it's, it's hard for people to really grasp because it always feels like a worse beat when there's like a buzzer beater or an overtime or something like that. And, I know, and we've the, had a lot. The, like, like you have the half a season left is just what really resonates. But, but Stanford's money line must have been – it was closed off, but I would have guessed like fair odds, like certainly less than 1%, like way less than 1% because, I mean, let's be real. They were, they were only 20% to begin the game. <laughs> and now, now you're spotting a team 30 points and, you're, and you're only, there's only a half left. Like, so – Immediately, we are 99 point something percent likely to win. Probably 99.9. And then, even if we lose that, we are still 70% favorites the rest of the way. So, I think that one is the, is the craziest one to me for the season, for sure. And there were, there were plenty of bad beats, but and good beats, but that was definitely the... Uh, I feel like you always have a lot of... I'll give you an opportunity if you want to have a second one. Uh, just because I feel like you always... The bad beats typically stay with you a little bit longer. So I feel like you definitely have multiple. You know, I don't think that for me that they stay long, they stay with you longer. Like I don't, I don't think I kind of fall into that. I think that, and you just naturally have more bad beats when you do a ton of parlays, and the vast majority of our action is parlays, and that's because you know you need everything to go right, and so so if you have two yeah. good beats and one bad beat in a three like parlay. All you really remember is the bad beat. Like it sticks with you longer because the good beats became irrelevant. Because it's the deciding <laughs> factor. Right. It's, so it's, it's all that matters. So for every couple of good beats that you have, like the bad beats are going to stick longer because you need to have more good beats to even out the bad beats. And generally it goes 50-50. But I would say that the, the next beat, we had had, a, I think it was Washington State minus three and a half against I don't remember the team now, but they were up by 20, I think, heading into the fourth. And we had them three and a half. And 
basically they end up the other team then scoring a touchdown. Okay, it's thirteen, still in a decent spot. They they then get like a a field goal. Like Washington State goes down and gets a field goal, and it's like sixteen, and then whatever. They, it goes back and forth. Washington State ends up or the team they're playing ends up getting an onside kick, driving down. They're down by ten at the the like or they're down. Okay, oh, whatever. I, I'll say that they're down ten. And they're at like the five yard line. It was fourth down. And they should have gone for the field goal. And instead, they went for the touchdown. And the touchdown was the only thing that could kill us, right? Like a field goal, we would have won. And they should have gone for the field goal because that would give them a chance at the onside kick and keep the game alive. Like anyone would have done it. Maybe it was more from like the nine. And they end up getting the touchdown. And I think we were still in a decent spot. I think it was still like four. And then for some reason, they like went for two, uh, or I guess it was five, and they went for two to make it three. So, and then they got it, and it just completely killed us. That, that, was, that was the next worst beat. Uh, it was like to catch a big play. But, you know, all that stuff, like I said, we had a ton of good beats. And, you know, literally just this week, we had so many good beats. But, you know, <laughs> the bad beats, like you said, always feel worse. And like I said, they tend to stick out more just because the good beats don't matter unless they're cashing the play and the bad beats always matter. Cause if there's ever a bad beat, it means it lost people. Yep. Um, okay. So the last one I've got for you is, do you have a best future? Um, we, we went over, I feel like you're, like you said, all of your futures typically come in college football. I know. Did we, did the Miami future that you took hit? Oh, well that, that actually might've been the worst beat. Well, so the, the future that we took was, under their conference wins. You middled it. It was under yeah. their conference wins over their season wins. And they were both like minus 110 or something. Uh, actually, I think the over 7.5 was like plus 130 something. And then the under conference wins was like minus 130 something. But whatever. So they go 4-0 and or 5 and like whatever it was in non-conference play. Then they, they struggled in conference play, which is perfect. But we end up losing it by one game. And do you want to know why? Because Mario Cristobal was too stupid to not kneel. <laughs> and had he kneeled, oh, yeah. had he kneeled against Georgia Tech and they won the game, we would have middled it. Instead, we only hit the under-conference wins. They ended up with seven wins and they went a full game under the conference wins. So we had the, we had the middle if they had won one more conference game. And I'm sure that there were some other close game losses that they had that whatever but obviously the one that sticks out was the most insane game i think you'll ever see i mean i didn't see it live but yeah that that is that's got to be a lot of people's uh worst right. i mean they forgot the to, i forgot seasons. that we had it. they forgot to kneel then there was a fumble that wasn't actually a fumble like if you look at it it was not a fumble but it was called a fumble 30 seconds left and the other team has no time. Georgia Tech has no timeouts, and they have to go the whole length of the field. And there's really no reason they have the ball. I mean, other than like the obvious that it, they could have kneeled and ended it, but also that there was a fumble that wasn't a fumble. And they end up scoring on like a Hail Mary-ish type, you know, like a bomb as time expires to cost us the middle. Thank you for reminding me. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, didn't know just at the such time. A, I didn't know str- at the time. That it had killed us, but 
it had killed yeah, us. Yeah, in retrospect. <laughs> right. right. Um, all right. Well, we'll hit break. We'll come back with a quick wheel of sports and hit grinds my gears and call it a day. So we'll be right back after this. All right, looks like we're recapping the All-Star break. I'll let you kick us off. Um, thoughts? What do we think of the dunk contest? Did we like the Sabrina-Steph competition? Do you think they'll be able to come up with more main events like that? Um, do you think it'll always be men versus women? I've, I've got a bunch of questions for wow. you, so you just start Can, can I start with a question up. for you? Yes, please. How long do you think? So we're on episode 42, and I think we've had this since episode one like how long do you think we're going to keep tpg's real name in the wheel of sports is like a it's like a joke we're doing here i just think eventually it's got to hit like the wheel <laughs> like I, eventually i'd like to know it's been 42 episodes i can't keep calling you tpg forever <laughs> okay perfect i like that answer okay so what, what's what's your first uh all-star weekend question let's go let's start with the dunk contest slash the three-point shooting contest did you enjoy them both do you think one was better than the other? And do you think they have them in the right order? Um, I don't remember the order. Oh, the three-point contest goes first. So I Essentially, the, the main event is the second one. So if you think that the three-point right. contest should be second, it's you saying that you're, you think that they should be moving towards making that the marquee event. Yeah, I don't know how the scores compare. I mean, the three-point contest is definitely more interesting because you have some of the best in the world like truly competing. I would say I don't know how I feel about it. I didn't feel like the best shooters were in it. I thought it was a bunch of stars that could shoot. But if you were having Isn't like, that typical? Like you don't like every year I feel like there's four or five stars and then like two or three Malik Beasley types. But the Malik Beasley types tend to be better at at that competition, right? Like a Steve Novak, Kyle Forver, Vashawn Leonard. Maybe Vashon Leonard. Um, uh, I'm like, who, who's the guy? Like Isaiah Joe or whatever. Like one of those guys that would be really good at it. But I don't. But I, I again, I don't know how I feel because watching Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's obviously one of the best shooters. Watching those guys compete was really cool. And I, I just felt. A, <laughs> it's not funny. I felt a little underwhelmed by the scores. And I don't really? know how they compare to previous years. I thought it was a little underwhelmed. I feel like it was a. Shots. I feel like it was a whole lot of twenty sixes, which is a pretty good score. I, did anyone beat twenty six the whole time? Um, Steph, when he did his, yeah, but he wasn't in it. He wasn't in it. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, like you know, Clay in the past. Like again, I don't know what scores previously have been. It's I also weird because like, the scores get a little messed up because they've added so many. Every yeah. single ball is a special ball now. Right, but what's so? What's the total amount if you ignore the three point balls that a guy could get? It's like forty, right? No, I think that each rack is worth six. Each rack is six, so they have four 30, of those. And then... Wait, how many spots do they shoot from? They shoot from five spots. Five by six is 30, and then there's an extra point for four balls, so 34. 34, I guess that's pretty good. But then you, they get, what, two three-point balls? Yeah, so now so it's like 40. the total score is 40. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, like I thought that was fine. Uh, but like I was super impressed with the All-Star game shooting, which will sound funny. But, like, we had, I mean, the team shot about 40%. And those were not open corner threes. Like, those were, I mean, Dame hit multiple from half court. 
Tyrese hit a one where like he pump faked, like kind of leaned to the side and just threw it over. I mean, Luca took one that he missed from fully from full full court. So like you look at those guys shooting forty percent on incredibly difficult long shots. I just was a little bit underwhelmed. I'm not gonna lie to you by like and they, and they show videos of Steph and Clay and these guys when they're when they're just practicing by themselves. Like oh he hit fifty threes in a row. Like I'm like where is that? I'm not saying that they need to hit all of them, but I'd like to see somebody hit. I kind of like Sabrina did last year. Like I think she hit twenty nine of thirty shots. Like I, I'd like to see someone make twenty six of thirty shots, something like that. I just felt it was a bit lower. But anyway, I also I just think, think that they I personally think they should just switch the order. I think at this point, the dunk contest is almost always underwhelming. And even yeah, when it I don't is even want to in, talk about the dunk contest. I mean, we, we talked about this uh, yesterday, but <laughs> Michael Jordan in 1980, whatever, dunked from the free throw line. I had a picture of it up in my room when I was a kid. You know, it was like an iconic thing that a lot of people um, remember or have seen a million videos of and it was super cool and that got a 50 or whatever the scoring was at the time. Well, I saw Zach Levine a couple years ago dunk from the free throw line but go between his legs in the, like, in the air. I mean, we see high school kids dunking from the free throw line now. And it's just the bar for, to, to truly impress me versus what, I mean, I remember as a kid watching like Vince Carter go between his legs. And be like, oh my God, that is so cool. Again, now guys are doing that from the free throw line. So it's almost like the athleticism has gotten so out of control and the creativity, whatever. Not that we've seen every dunk, but even if I see a new dunk, like I thought Mac McClung's dunk where he like kind of passed it to himself in the middle of the air that got like a 47. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought that was awesome, honestly. I agree. I yeah, thought that was the I, best I dunk why. of the night. Taking your hands off the ball and then readjusting i thought that was really impressive shack dunk was also great but i guess my point is you know guys are now dunking over shack and we're hardly we're hardly caring about it just because we've seen such whatever that i think it i think it i struggle because just a few years ago Derek jones and aaron gordon had an awesome dunk contest but so i don't want to say it can't be done but I just think that it's very difficult to have an awesome dunk contest. And the three-point shootout will always be good. But I guess to move to the next event, I did think the Sabrina Steph thing was the coolest part of the night. Yeah, My I mean, I thought, loved it. Yeah. It, was a, it, they, it was fun how they both genuinely seemed nervous and both genuinely wanted to beat each other. Well, credit to Steph, because it was kind of a no-win situation unless he beat everybody's score from that day. Which he obviously did, and end up looking good. But uh, I, I felt like this was su- such a great event for women's sports, and I hope that they keep it forever. Like so much of the discourse among guys, like I'll, I'll just you know be a little real with this, talking about women's sports. It's oh, a high school team could beat this, or oh, like the the U.S. women's soccer team lost to a I don't know sixteen under team, and Serena lost to the billionth ranked tennis player. Like it's just blah, 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 women's sports sucks, right? Compared to men's. Well, here's an event where they don't. And it's not like this random niche event. It's shooting a basketball. (laughs) And I think it's really cool that you can have someone that had 
that just showcases like the talent and the skill of women's basketball. Like, yeah, they're whatever. I, I, there, there are non-NBA teams that could beat a WNBA team in a game of basketball. I like absolutely many, but there aren't a lot of people that are better shooters than Sabrina Ionesco in the world. And I thought it was really cool to to highlight that. And I hope that they continue to do it because I think it was like actually a really big deal to have a bunch of people watch that. I also felt, I also feel like the conjunction of that and Caitlin Clark. I mean, did you see the shot she hit to break the scoring record? Caitlin Clark's. Yeah. She is electric. And so I think a lot of this is going to start to become like a huge deal for women's basketball. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the WNBA, you know, because a lot of people like to say, oh, the WNBA is inferior because women are whatever, but inferior athletes. And obviously to some degree that's true, but a lot of it's because women aren't encouraged to play basketball at a young age the same way that, that, that men are. So, you know, sort of the pyramid is, is very different. If you are in the 1% of women's basketball players growing up, you become like a high-level Division One player. You know, I, I don't know the exact percentages. If you are a 1% of men's basketball players, like you're a good high school player. So I think that that pyramid may actually start to mirror the men's pyramid a lot more as we see people like, like th- this event and we see Caitlin Clark and whatever. So I thought it was really cool. and also. Finally, somebody got, you know, we had her get a 26 and him get a 29. Like, I was kind of waiting around for that, as I mentioned before, all night. Like, where are the good scores? The 26 was as high as any man, man did, and, and 29, you know, beat them all handily. So it was nice to see sort of like the, wow, these guys are way better than us. Like, that's always how I want to feel when I'm watching this. Like, wow, these people aren't human. And that's how I felt watching Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine dunk. And it's how I feel when I watch Steph shoot. It wasn't how I felt watching Donovan Mitchell get like a 21 or something. I'm like, okay, you know, give me a few tries. I'll get 21. <laughs> I've got a good question for you. Did you see Stephen A. Smith's suggested fix for the dunk contest? I actually thought this was super out there, but very smart. And it would be like a good, a win for everyone all around. Did you, you happen to see it? No, I, 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 I did not see it. What was he suggested it? Something a la the big three where they set up a traveling basketball dunk league of sorts where it's like, or honestly, I would compare it more to like American Ninja Warrior where you're traveling to different cities, putting on contests, getting the best four or five dunkers from each city and doing it in like six major cities across the country, right? So you get narrowed down to a group of 30 and and this is like a product for television that could very well like could perform very well you're getting like the best street dunkers that you could find you get your top five and those are the five that compete um so it's like something that you the stakes are a little bit longer than you just show up and hope that jacob Toppin dunks well but there's like a few there's a lead into it um and to make sure that all the nba guys really care about it there's a financial incentive where like they get to back who they think will win. So you have like <laughs> LeBron and Steph on the same guy and like Yana, you have Giannis like hyping his guy up in his corner. And like all of a sudden the way I feel like it used to be where like these guys were up out of their seats, enjoying it. 
like now they only jump up out of their seats for something truly amazing and we haven't seen all that much. It just would lead to a lot of fun mic'd up moments of like LeBron being like, you got this, my guy. Like, I just think that that would be a really fun aspect to All-Star Weekend. Yeah, I think it could, I think it could work. It, you know, it's always hard to say if you're watching all these dunks all year, like if, if you know, because all of this would make its way to Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I was going to say, we TikTok. would just, like, yeah, we would just like, see we it might on only, social. We, no one's gonna we may only become it. further desensitized to it when we see it All-Star Weekend, right? Like if amazing dunks are happening every weekend across the country in like a televised way, like Stephen A's implying, it, it it only will further desensitize us to the dunks and the dunk contest. But, you know, always when you add a competitive aspect to it, it's good. And we're not that far from it right now when you have G League got, you know, two of the four guys were G League guys. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's, it's pretty low risk changing this up. because It's obviously not working. They tried to put a star. It made it worse because Jalen Brown's dunks were terrible. And I actually thought the biggest issue was the scoring. Because I, I had no idea. I thought Jalen Brown might win. Because I, I thought he was going to win McC- too. They seemed to McClung be getting McClung needed like a forty-eight point eight. Well, he needed a forty-eight point eight, and I had like based on their scoring, which was so inconsistent with what I was watching, I had no idea if they, what what score they were going to give McClung at the end. Right? Like we knew in the, in the Aaron Gordon, Derek Jones, or Levine contest, like it was 50, 50, 50, 50, right? And then you knew if it was slightly worse than that, that, that that's where they might trip up. Here, I, I genuinely had no idea what was going to be a good score and what was not. So I thought that was a problem too. But I want your quick thoughts, and I, I'm sure we're going over time on this real thing, on the game itself. So it was super non-competitive. I'll, I'll say that from the start. The game is super non-competitive. And people are saying that there's no defense being played. I thought it was better than last year, even though it was higher scoring, because there was way less... Like, some of the previous years, you've seen, and I'm a huge Westbrook fan, but, like, like Westbrook or Giannis just, like, driving to the hoop and dunking with no resistance. And that was just a ton of the game. Like, guys going back and forth doing that, like, hunting the MVP. And this, at least, they were shooting a bunch of threes. And I thought, again, I thought the shot making was insane. Like, I was incredibly impressed by the difficulty. And, and it, it almost, like... Dame hit two half-court shots, right? Yeah, people those were talk impressive. About, people want to talk about there's no defense, but in an NBA championship game, there's nobody like literally guarding him from half-court. Like, right, like If Dame said, hey, I'm going to shoot from half-court, the other team would say, go ahead. But yet, again, there was, I mean, they, the, the, the East shot 43%, I think like 42% from three or something, and I think the total game was just under 40. <laughs> They were they were trying they were everybody was shooting from the logo they were shooting pump fakes and around again Luca shot a full court shot so I actually didn't hate hate it because at least I got to see some excellent shot making and I think it's a lot better than just like guys I mean Bam hit a, a fadeaway after he threw it off of uh, I think it was Jokic like you know Bam is normally not even allowed to shoot threes but yet somehow he's hitting fadeaway ones at, again at a forty percent clip. Uh, I like that a lot better than watching guys just like walk to the hoop and dunk it because again, that's something I can do minus the dunk part. <laughs> like <laughs> if I don't want to feel like I could score a bunch of points in this game, like if I tried my absolute hardest in some of these games, 
including probably this past one, I could have scored 30-something points if you gave me the ball and nobody's going to card me going to the hoop. But at least this one, people weren't just taking that out. They were either doing like lob dunks or which at least are like somewhat aesthetically pleasing or tough threes and making them at a high clip. And I think that's why the game went so far over. It, it wasn't how lo- low defense versus expectations. It was the, okay, these guys are going to shoot tough shots, but oh my God, they're making them. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely an impressive display. I wish that they find found a way to make it a little bit more competitive. Just incentivize the guys properly. Steal what the MLB's done. Make it a real game where people have real stakes. It's going to be a lot more fun when these guys really care about the game. And right now, the only way that they care is if it has anything to do with the finals. Uh, I think Green's culture has pushed us there. And it makes a lot of sense to me to just go ahead and make it so you get home court advantage in the finals. Yeah. No, I I saw – I mean, there was a bunch of people saying that, and I I completely agree with what you're saying. And for the record, I didn't like – I didn't think it was as good as some of the actual good All-Star games we've gotten. I just, you know, from like the lowest bar in the world, I was like, hey, it's some pretty good shot making. I agree that they need to do something like that. But, you know, people are like, oh, why why does nobody care about the All-Star game? And then like Dame wins MVP and they're like, they call him All-Star Weekend Man all over Twitter because he's done the dunk contest and he won the three-point contest and then he got the MVP of the All-Star game. So like he's done everything. And people were like, wow, guy with no rings is all-star weekend man. And they're basically just making fun of him for participating and trying. And I thought it was like the most classic thing where you, how can you possibly upset that they're not trying and also make fun of them for succeeding in the all-star weekend but not getting a ring. And people yeah. made fun of the Lakers for winning the in-season tournament. Like, all, you know, and for putting a, a banner or celebrating, whatever. Like, everybody is basically made fun of everything that doesn't involve winning a championship but they also want everybody to try in all of those things for their entertainment like it doesn't match up so i think you need to do it with the in-season tournament too where like there's some playoff championship whatever incentive and like you said the all-star game yeah we're on the same page i know people try this in-season tournament but i don't think that future ones will be like that yeah i guess we we'll see i think they seem to tweak it every year so we'll see if they take yeah i guess the five hundred thousand for like the bench guys was a motivator this year like lebron's like oh i got you to like his bench guys uh where the all-star game you couldn't really do that because you don't have the bench guys but we're definitely over time so uh what should we go to next uh we got a quick grinds my gears and then let's get out of here you know what really grinds my gears so what really grinded my gears this week was I found out that I got a one-star review on WAP for my Discord, which, you know, before I had a perfect record. It was 20-something for 20-something, all five stars, nice reviews. Kirby had a really funny one, said something about Kirby guys, really great, and has a large bulge. But yesterday, I noticed that I had a one-star review on WAP, which it shouldn't bother me. You know, this happens to, I'm sure, every Discord or Yelp or whatever. But for some reason, it really annoyed me. And this is what it said. It said, everyone here is super hateful and unhelpful. And promo guys' plays are a money pit. Which, you know, if we had been having a bad month, and I kind of always say this, if we've been having a bad month, I could handle it a lot better. Just because it's sort of expected that you're going to get some backlash when you're losing, right? But we've had a great month, like a really great month. 
you know, I've, I've recapped it today. I've recapped it previous weeks. We've had a great run for, uh, you know, I don't know how long they've been in the Discord, but we've had a great run for a while. Now, as far as the community, the community is awesome. So I won't take any beatings on them. I think what happened, because I recognize the name and I, and I won't say it here, is that they came into the Discord. And I'm sure those of you in the Discord are familiar that this happens where somebody tags everyone by a mistake. Usually it actually happens like with like a book tag. Like, oh, where do I find on at book DK where the gift is, you know, whatever it is. And everybody gives them a hard time kind of jokingly like, oh, man, I just pulled over on the side of the road. What's the play? Or, you know, very friendly. I think most people are happy when they see it. But just giving someone a hard time for tagging everyone. This one was a tag at everyone. I don't remember what the, the context was. And I actually I am sorry to that person that they didn't realize that everybody had been joking. and. I kind of DM'd them like, sorry, like, what can I help with? Whatever. But I, I got to say, God, you know, it, it, things don't get under my skin all that often, uh, at least as often as they could. But this one a little bit. I didn't like my, my plays getting called a, a money pit uh, very much, especially because it's been such a successful run. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, 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 we don't have to go through all the numbers again, but you go through any metric and, and it's, been a, it's been a really good run. So. I'm not sure what plays they've been tailing. Like, you know, there are some months where it's kind of up and down. And if you've been tailing like some of the replacements, they've struggled or you don't have certain books, but like every book is up, you know, replacements have done well. Originals have done well. Like it's, it's, it's hard to fathom someone that's actually been tailing. And a lot of times I get kind of the brunt of, oh, my personal plays haven't done well since I joined your discord. and, And I don't actually recognize that it's that. So, you know, I'm sort of blaming you for my accounts not being up when my plays have done very well. But I don't know what the case is. I DM them with sort of a, hey, how can I help? You know, plays certainly haven't been a money pit. So like, you know, here to help you navigate or whatever. And sorry, you feel like people have been unhelpful. I, I didn't get a response in a bunch of hours. I don't know if I will, but that's what grinded my gears this week. Based on, I'm glad you reached out to them. Based on how how much your gears seem to be grinded by this one, I'm surprised you uh, you even gave them the time of day. So good for good for you. <laughs> well, look, I, I I can't say that it doesn't bother me to get you know a negative review. And look, I don't think that many people read the reviews before signing up. Like, it's not really like a a monetary thing for me as much as just you know nobody feels good getting. Uh, that someone, you know, took the time, signed up for their service and has had such a negative, I don't know how long they've been in it, but let's say a couple weeks or month where, you know, they felt compelled to do that. You know, that's, that's not, you know, ever the goal. Like, you know, I'm very proud of our retention rate and, and all of that. So, uh, just because, so it, you know, it grinded my gears in the sense of, man, I hate they've had that experience. Man, it's a little annoying that they that they chose to to do it in that way as opposed to reaching out to me. You know, they can obviously see that that we've done well. Like I'm recapping all the time, and people are banging in the channels. Like it's it's it'd be surprising to me someone who's active in the Discord uh, doesn't at least recognize that others are doing well. So I'm surprised that they haven't that they didn't choose to reach out to me, but I was kind of giving them that opportunity by reaching out to them. You know, it's not like a spiteful thing. It's just sort of grinding my gears, honestly, is the perfect perfect term for it. All right, well, 
I'm excited to hear how it goes and see if he reaches back out. And it, I'm glad that you're providing t- top-notch uh, customer service here. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, let's wrap it up there. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, everybody, for listening and for being uh, appreciative of our week off. And we'll be back next week. Awesome. Thank you.